0: Church family, as I mentioned, go ahead and take your Bibles and move to the New Testament. That's right, the New Testament book of Matthew. It's been a while, hasn't it? Um, if you're a visitor here, we've been going line by line through uh, the Pentateuch book of Leviticus. And it's been a um, tremendous pleasure. We've been challenged through God's Word. I, just, I heard another encouragement this morning of a, of a sweet, precious um, sister who said that she has never heard any sermon series through Leviticus... and, I, um, and how encouraging it's been in the midst of that. And so praise God. That means Numbers is next. No, I'm kidding. Um, so um, <laughs> Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read uh, just two verses <clears throat> from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Verses 22 and 23 in a sermon entitled The Lamp of the Body. And you'll see why we got that title right here. Matthew six twenty-two, The lamp of the body is the eye... If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? First Baptist Church of Grey Gables grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Would you join me in thanking God for his word this morning? Lord, we ask you, the light giver... To give us the help of your Holy Spirit to understand and rightly apply your word. Father, we confess that we want more than just to know your truth. But Lord, we want to walk in it. We we pray for obedience and determination by your grace to walk according to the light this morning. Lord, I I pray even now, right now, that, that you would... You would actually chastise every heart that has walked into this place with a disposition of disobedience and stubbornness. Father, those who have entered into this place this morning with no intention whatsoever of doing your word as they walk out of here. Lord, that's not a true disciple. So, so we pray for your help to be true disciples, not just spectators or consumers coming to this place thinking we've somehow offered a a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving that is somehow satisfying to you by our mere attendance. But rather, Lord, help us to come as the meek, the humble, the teachable, and the brokenhearted out of grace. Give us help, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I thought about whether or not to do this, but I think I think before we dig into the text, I, I do want to give you a couple of opening thoughts um, about even just what we just prayed. Church family, you know that what we're doing here this morning is a big old waste of time if we're not coming in here for a desire with a desire for obedience, right? Like, like it really is. If we're just coming to get the right theology, that is all well and all is good. But if we walk out of here without the desire to do anything with it, there's actually some very harsh words from Scripture about those who hear and will not do. James tells us they're like a man who observes his face in a mirror, goes away, and forgets what kind of man he is. It's where James goes on to say, be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word, lest you deceive yourself. And, and church family, I'm... I'm afraid there are even some of us here this morning that are deceived. And listen, I only say this because I struggle with this. I'm not mad at you or anything like that. But by God's grace, listen, we should enter into this place this morning hungry for what we want to obey from God's word. We want to love you, Lord. And some of us are deceived that we think just by an accumulation of knowledge and just coming to church is going to be the thing that pleases God. And if that's your disposition this morning, may God break your heart today. Just think about this question with me. It's something I thought about often this week. With with all your theology and doctrine, with all the preaching and understanding, is that actually bearing fruit in your life? Is it? The question is, what effect does the Word of God and the Gospel have In our lives. So so let's let's have this opportunity even now just to get our disposition towards the word right this morning. Are we coming looking for opportunities this week in our marriage, in our families, with our kids, in our workplace to obey God's word? Yes, we want theology. But we also want to live theology. Okay, that's my footnote at the beginning. Um, And I say that because again, I'm feeling the weight of that. I ask myself that question often. Why, why am I studying theology? Why am I aiming to know the Bible? Is it just to know more or is it to be transformed? So as we come to our text this morning, I think we notice something here in the first couple of verses and verses. And, and, and just taking it where it's at, you notice in what I just read, there are no commands here. Right. There's there's no commands in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. There there are, however, statements of fact. That's what just happens. This is 22 and 23. And I, I think I want to do this. I, the outline's a little bit different this week because we're in a different series. It's a standalone sermon. I, I simply want to look at the, the text itself in an introduction. I want to, therefore, exposit the text to kind of see what it exactly means and then I want to kind of apply the text or corroborate the text at looking through other scriptures, which are in your notes, should be this morning, and how we can see what God's light is. And so first I want to just look at the statement of facts that are laid out for us in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. The first is really the metaphor that all of these verses, these two verses work together with, and that is, the lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. Now, when we talk about that, we we typically talk about that in two ways. Like, if you look in my eyes, you can see what's going on in my soul. The eyes are the window to the soul. And I I don't actually think that's what Jesus is talking about in that direction. but, But rather, what enters the eye are like windows into the soul. What comes into the eyes enlightens the body. I really think that this is the imagery he's using here. Remember what kind of lamps we're talking about here. We're not talking about plug-in lamps that you have uh, by your bedside table, right? In this context, we're we're talking about things that don't click on and off. But these are little clay lamps that have press oil in them with, with little wicks. And this is what he's saying. The eye is the lamp of the body. So what you put into your eye by way of light is what goes into your body. So that's the metaphor. It is the eye here. Whatever this is, whatever we're going to see what it is, what it means physically and spiritually. But whatever this is, it affects your hands, your feet, your knees, everything. And so that being case, this being a fact, not a command, he goes on to say, If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. I kind of like that imagery, right? That's that's very interesting to me. I, I just... I had a doctor's appointment this week, and I thought it would be really cool if like, my eyes were just light and she could just look into them and just like, immediately look and see everything that's wrong that's going on in my body and be like, Oh, I see it here. You, you ate a Lego at like age four, and I need to pull that out. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, but uh, I just love that imagery. Like a person has, has lamps on their eyeballs, and, and maybe it's like a portal, and you can just look in, and, and there's light coming through the eyes, and you can look throughout the body, and... And see that it's full of light. That's the imagery he's using here. And so he says, if your eye is healthy and the light is getting in, then, then throughout the whole body, it will affect the whole body. Then he goes on to give us the opposite meaning there as well. He says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. This is not the image of a black light, the, probably the way we think about it, but... But imagine if you had a flashlight that that you could walk into a room, turn it on, and it actually makes darkness. Right? In fact, there's a paint now uh, they've come up with that has special compounds in, and mixtures in it that does not reflect any light whatsoever. It's, it's amazing. There's no glare. There's no reflection. It absolutely absorbs and dissipates light so it's the purest black the human being can conceive. In fact, I think that's what we painted the Sprouts Room in this week. Is that true? No? Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no. But here is the picture of, of darkness going in. And it absorbs all the light that's inside. So there there are two kinds of light. There's the dark light, so to speak. Picture the flashlight that, that breeds darkness. This bad eye that fills the body full of darkness. And then there's this bright light that fills the entire body full of light. Which then begs the question that you're probably asking at this point. What in the world is he talking about? Well, he finishes... The section this way by saying, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So his conclusion here, I I think of this really as a woe statement, right? He he comes to a kind of conclusion that says, this is just terrible. He says, if it's true that your eye is bad and your body is full of darkness, that even the light in you is darkness... Oh my goodness, how great is that darkness. Just think of the evils of the world. Just think about darkness. And and even some of us as adults really don't like the dark. But there's there's a greater darkness than even a physical darkness is to be feared. And it's the darkness in the hearts of people. Guys, just look at human history. Warfare, murder, abuse, hatred. All that can come out of the human heart makes physical darkness and misery pale in comparison, Jesus is saying, look, if there is any darkness in you by virtue of this bad eye, my goodness, how great is that darkness. That's a darkness that brings about woe and sorrow and misery far beyond what even the plagues can bring. And so that's it. That's kind of the The explanation there, or the introduction there, so then a couple questions just probably pop up if we're paying attention, right? Those are statements of fact. The question I raised immediately when I read this is what in the world does this have to do with the context of what Jesus is talking about? The verses before and the verses that follow, it actually, this is what kind of drew me to this passage. It kind of seems just to be dangling there, right there in the middle. So let's look at the context. Read with me what we read in our call to generosity in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. We know those verses very well. We just heard them, right? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys... ...and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then we have that illustration of the lamp of the body. Then we have our text. And then after, look at this text we looked at a couple of weeks ago... ...in verses 24 and 25 of Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. For either he will either hate the one and love the other... ...or he will be loyal to the one... And despise the other, no one, you cannot serve God and mammon. So, both of those things have to do with, I think, money and treasures and possessions, right? That's what the commentators say. They say this is the context. It seems to be saying something about our treasures or our money. And so, the application here. Would be according to them something like if you fix your eye on evil treasures evil things the things that are temporary, if you serve the God of Mammon and just live for riches or prosperity or profit or comfort, those fill the whole darkness of the body and how great is that darkness now I, I do think that is one seemingly legitimate application certainly it 's a difficult application, but I think it's I think it 's partly right but But here's the problem. In the text we read, he doesn't mention money at all. He actually is just stating this as a principle. So so it could be that, or it could be he's making a larger application and simply saying, when it comes to the heart of the issues of money, it's really not a money issue. It's what's in you. It is what do you have your eye set upon. If you present before your physical and spiritual eyes, darkness, the things that are passing away, things of the evil one. If those are the things that have ultimate meaning to you, it's going to affect the entirety of who you are. And so so I believe there's a specific application of money and treasures here, yes. But there's also a general application we're going to spend most of our time on, and that is uh, setting evil before our eyes. I think this is an application we really need in our culture today. In fact, I I thought of Psalm 101, verse 3, I believe, where where David says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. It's a good verse to tape in front of your TV or put on your iPhone screensaver. But but is this what he's talking about? I, I do again. I think it's a mixture. What you look at, what you fix on. The things that are of ultimate importance to you, the things that are before your mind, affect everything you and I are. And so so let's see that again in the text with with this simple question. Is he talking about the physical or spiritual eye? What's he talking about here in the exposition part? Is he talking about the physical or the spiritual I? I'm going to say he's talking about both. ...the physical and spiritual. And, and let me just... I'll give you three areas I think we struggle with this the most. Okay, This idea of, of bringing things into our mind that affect everything that we are. Three areas I just think personally, culturally we struggle with the most. And, and one is, for instance, some of you are still viewing pornography. You just are. And, and you, you can blame it on bad parenting or your depression or a lot of things... Well, what is Jesus saying about this? He's saying it is actually filling your heart with darkness. Whatever your reason, whatever you are self-medicating, whatever it is you are fulfilling in pursuit of that, Jesus says what you put before your eyes is affecting your whole body. It just is. You cannot look at the word of God and pornography together because this darkness absorbs light. And if your eye is evil, you can look at light for a minute. But as soon as you look at that darkness, all the light is absorbed. It's taken away and it becomes worthless. So is he talking about physical eyes? Yes, I believe. And uh, one of those areas is certainly in sexual perversion. I think another area is, is, listen, maybe your struggle is with cultivating covetousness, greed, and worldliness. Because you love to look at catalogs. Do people still look at catalogs? Let's just go ahead and say Amazon or Pinterest or whatever the thing is these days. My kids still get uh, catalogs every year from Amazon and Costco, and they circle every single thing in that page. But, but, but let's just say you have a problem with this. Right? You, you cannot look at the advertisement or the, the, the things that you see that are for sale without buying something. You are always, always looking, longing, and pining after the next thing, after something else. I think that's an area we struggle with. Not only sexual perversion, but, but covetousness. The third area, I think, I think our struggle in a lot of areas, and this is the one we don't even talk about, it's violence. Listen, not to sound super fundamentalist here, but, but you can't deceive yourself to think that you can watch things and play things that just glorify the brutality of violence, completely unguarded, and think that that won't have an effect on your heart. I'm guilty of that. Listen, it, it just it just can't happen. And and you know what I mean. Don't don't you're making the argument in your brain, you know what I mean by that, right? When it's violence without purpose, when it's flaunting violence, when it is just purposeful, utter wickedness at the goal, people will argue, well, the Bible has violence. Yes, it does, but you know that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about violence in the context of good and evil. I'm talking about we're talking about just feeding on the brutality of violence. I think those are the three areas. As I look at this particular text in the physical eye, the areas of sexuality, of greed and covetousness and of violence are the three of the biggest areas that, that bring darkness into our souls and our physical eyes. But I would also say this is more than just about physical eyes. It's also about what's true in our spiritual eyes, our spiritual light. What are we in our hearts fixing ourselves on? We will fix our spiritual eye, our vision, our desires on a hundred thousand different things. But there's only one real source of light and it's the Lord. And this is really what Jesus is getting at. I believe that that God is our light. His word brings light. And Jesus is the light of the world. And so this is a call for us to be fixated to find grand visions and desires for Jesus himself. In fact, let's look at some scriptures now that that I want you to write down and study. They're in your, your bulletin. I just want to spend the rest of our time examining this. In fact... I think I've uncovered enough of, well, about what we struggle with with darkness. I want to look particularly at the way the Bible speaks of light. Because this is, this is, as we talk about in our biblical counseling class, this is not about just saying no to things, right? Just the stop it. This is what you're struggling with, just stop it. But it's replacing those things with what is good. And I think the Bible is very clear here about speaking of light and what we are to replace those things with. First of all, Psalm 4, 6 is the first text. Again, remember those three major categories of of sexuality, sexual perversions of different sorts, covetousness, greed, just call it consumerism, the idea of just wanting more, always, always saying, listen, if we we just get that house, we won't fight anymore, of this thing, that car, then I'll be happy. If I can just get that dress, then I can look how I want to look. And then the third category of violence, those three, again, general categories of ways we get darkness in. But look at these verses in regards to how we get light in. And again, I think this is basic, but we need to hear just the basics sometimes. So Psalm 4, 6. It says, there are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Lift up the light of your countenance. To see the countenance of God by faith and by the declaration of who he is, is Light. It's looking upon the character and person of God. We need that light, and that light is in His countenance. And so while we're filling up our spiritual innards with perversion or greed and violence, where does that light come from? It comes from gazing upon God, His character and His person. Clearly, that's where light is coming from. All right, also notice in Psalm 18, verse 28. Psalm 18, 28. It says, for you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So, so what do I need for the dark night of the soul? What do I need when I feel depressed and weighed down because of money, sexual morality, greed, violence, discord? What do I need to bring me light? Well, friends, alcohol doesn't fix that. Neither does drugs. Neither does more sexual immorality or or buying more stuff. It is only God, His presence and His glory that fixes that. And the psalmist says, you, the Lord, you enlighten my darkness. And so we keep taking these false idols, these false things and trying to put them in. If only I can get a happy marriage, then I'll have my light. Friends, your happy marriage is not your light. The Lord is your light. Obedient children are not my light. The Lord is my light. A good reputation, a good status, more friends, more popularity is not your light. The Lord is the light of my soul, says the psalmist. He enlightens my darkness. Notice please in Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You say, I'm just gripped with fear. Well, Listen, sinful fear is a darkness. How do I address my fear? By getting the Lord into my life. To get Him into my thinking. The verse goes on to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, what I need in assurance is not simply the platitude of, you know what? In the end, everything is going to be okay. Because it may not be in this world. What I do need is the presence of the Lord, who is my light, even in the midst of my darkness. It doesn't mean the darkness goes away. It means that I'm close to the light in the midst of the darkness. Or Psalm 36, verse 9. The text tells us, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. With you in the presence of God, is a, it's like a fountain that just keeps shooting out life after life. It's not pouring out, it's not trickling out or dripping out like, man, I, just wish I get a little bit more of this. No, it's a fountain that's springing up, it's bursting forth. In the presence of God, there is a fountain of fresh spring water of life that has light in it. The psalmist says, that's where I'm refreshed. It's in the presence of God himself. Psalm 43, verse 3, another verse, goes on to say, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Here, there's there's an overlay of, of, you know know what's going to bring light in the midst of my darkness? Well, according to this verse, it's the truth of God. Here, we're moving into what God reveals about Himself. And here's the point. Listen, friends, some of you, frankly, are sitting in darkness... Like, like some of your marriages are sitting in darkness. Some of you personally, emotionally are sitting in darkness. And, and, and you'll come to us as your pastors and, and we keep asking you some of these questions like, you know, what's your time like in the Word? And, and when we say things like that, I get it because we're pastors. But when we say things like that, all that's going on in your mind is, why are you just asking me if I can keep the rules? But, but, what, we're, but what we're really saying, when we say, what's your time in the Word like, we're saying... How's your light? How much light are you getting in in the midst of darkness? Are you receiving light? And often when we say, have you been in the Word, have you sought God, all you hear is, have you checked off boxes? That's not what we're saying. We're saying that with God, in His Word, there is light and there is life. His Word, His truth, and the endurance of His truth brings light. And so we're hearing, oh, it's so dark. Things are so hard. Well, hey, have you opened your Bible? Have you opened this book? No, because things are so dark. Okay, it's so dark, and because it's so dark, you won't go into the light? Friends, it's no wonder after a while we might get the impression that you actually love the darkness and not the light. So so what do I do in the midst of my darkness? Do I fight for joy? Do I fight for the presence of God, not in my own strength, but in the strength that God supplies? Or do I, do I sit and say, I just can't move toward the light because it's too dark? Friends, that makes no sense unless you are blind. Then you don't even know which way to move. He goes on to say in Psalm 89 verse 15, he says, I love this, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O oh Lord, in the light of your countenance. What is the joyful sound? It reminds you of the song, right? Hear the joyful sound of our offering. Do we sing that one still? Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? Is that the right song? I don't remember. It, <laughs> it's a shout, right? It's a joyful sound of, of people celebrating, dancing, feasting, drinking, and happy. That's the joyful sound. He says, Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Why? Because it's like there's darkness. And in the midst of darkness, God's countenance is shining. It's almost like he's in front of you with with a light that is himself, and you're surrounded by darkness. And he's walking backwards saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And as long as you are fixated upon him, you are walking into the life. That's the light. That's exactly what he's saying. And so you, you walk in the light of my countenance, and we say, I can't because it's dark. But God says, just look at my face. Follow after me. Well, I... I can't see because it's dark. But, but when someone is walking in darkness, following the face of God and seeing His light, do you know what it creates? A joyful sound. In fact, that reminds us, right, of Psalm 119, 105 and 130. This is a text we know well. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then 130, I love this. This one doesn't get as much credit, but it's great. Psalm 119 and 130, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It's so dark. I don't know where to walk. I don't know what to do with my marriage. I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to do these things. Well, friend, are you in the Word of God? Ugh, there, are those Reformed Baptist pastors go with their legalism. No, you've you got to be in the Bible because the entrance of God's Word brings light. Now I can see. And so when we ask you the question, are you pursuing the basic means of grace? Are you seeking God's face in prayer? Are you reading the word? We don't say that because we think it works like a magical incantation that will automatically fix things. But we say it because we truly believe it's the real source of life and light, folks. And if light and life for you don't come from the face of God and the word of God, then where else are you going to get it? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. And when we know the word in the presence of God, in communion with God, it is then when we face the face of the light of his countenance comes upon us. That's what we're doing right now, by the way. Did you know that? That's what we do every Sunday, every Wednesday, every grow grow class, where the word of God is opened and proclaimed and taught. So, So let me ask you. How are you responding even now there's this appetite to say yeah man how could I forget something so simple it's the Word of God and, and God's revelation of himself is in Jesus by the illumination of the Holy Spirit this is the light I need I mean let me ask you anyone been walking in darkness out there lately Anybody walking in difficulty? family it, it's dark out there isn't it But here in in verse 130, it's like, I'm going to take these words and enter them into your life, telling you the meaning of them. And when someone does that, and we see with spiritual eyes, it gives light. Those who are sitting in the midst of darkness have now seen a great love. And so, is the preaching of the Word of God right now experientially bringing the light to you? Or are you neutral, indifferent, or even hostile? Listen, here's the point. Like saying that word experiential, we just, some, some alarms go off in our head, right? We're saying, listen, I don't, I don't know if that's the right theology, right? We, we're not really supposed to have an experience as much as we are supposed to have a, a worship service. That just sounds mystical to me. Listen, can I tell you something? First Baptist Church of Gray Gables, I love this church with all of my heart. I, I do not in this season worry about us being over-emotional when it comes to preaching God's word. Can I tell you that? You know what I do worry about? Us seeing this as light. Us treating this as if the proclamation of it is actually bringing light and life to us. That, that's where I think our struggle is. And so, listen, I, I get it. We we may have come a point where we have to where we overcorrect and become too experiential and too emotional when it comes to the proclamation of the word. Trust me, as your pastor, we're not there right now. What we need is a little bit more. Oh, how I need the light! Bring the light. Give me more light. That's between you and the Lord. But he goes on to say, it imparts understanding to the simple. I don't know about you, but that, that's good news to me. All right, listen, you don't have to be super smart. It's simple. This is God's word and it's true. It impacts my life. It it tells me how to love my spouse, how to love my kids. It tells me how I should be teachable and open. It tells me how I should confess my sins and repent of my sins. It gives me all things pertaining to life and godliness. Friends, how many more books, more sermons, more counselors, how many more exhortations do we need to walk in the light of his countenance? I would say, church family, I would say most of us in our context have more than sufficient light To walk in His countenance. I'd say what we're lacking is not light. What we're lacking is obedience. In most cases, we have enough light to address the things that God has placed before us. And so when Jesus says, if the eye is good, what He means is if you are gazing upon the glory of God. It fills your whole body with light. If you're gazing at the Word of God. It fills your body with light. But if you can't get that light in, friends, again, there's either something wrong with your eyes, or you're not putting the light in front of you. It's one of those two things, folks. Alright, let me give you some, some take-home thoughts before we go. This is the light that gives life. I think I probably ever covered the application here. So you can put all three of those things up. God Himself is the light, God's word. Is the light, we've seen that from the Psalms already. Uh, the light he gives us is God himself. The light he gives us is the word of God. I, I want to I focus kind of on the third thing there. It's just uh, the, what we see ultimately is the light that gives life is Christ himself. This is what Christ says of himself often. John chapter 8 verse 12, the text. Hopefully you've heard before. Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What do I need for obedience, for love, for confession? It is an insatiable appetite for the face of Jesus Christ. And hear me, not just the theology of Christ detached from the person of Christ... Not just the theology of the Bible detached from the person of Christ himself. It is the glory of God, as the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians, in the face of Jesus Christ. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me does not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In verse 13 of John 8, he says, the Pharisees therefore said to them, him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. This is something you notice about Pharisees when you read the New Testament. They, they, the Testament, they always have an argue, argument with Jesus. Something you notice is that the Pharisee is never satisfied. The Pharisee is always saying, yeah, but. Instead of saying, you said to seek your face, O Lord, your face I will seek. But, but you don't understand how difficult my marriage is. But you don't understand how hard things are. But you don't understand the difficulties of my children. No, I don't. But I know, I know what's true. <laughs> like I know, that, I know that Jesus is the light of the world. I know that those who walk in his light will not walk in darkness, even in the midst of darkness, because Jesus said it. Therefore, I believe it. Likewise, in John chapter 12, verse 44 through 46, Jesus says this. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me... Believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, That whoever believes in me, Should not, and this is key, Should not abide in darkness. Listen, some of us, walking through darkness, We describe our situation as being darkness. And here's Jesus' answer. If you believe in him, you will not remain in darkness. Like you, you may be in for a season. You may struggle with this, this feeling of darkness around you, or experience of darkness around you, but, but Jesus says, makes it very clear. If you believe in Him, you won't remain there. You won't remain confused. You will know some basic things of what you and your life need to repent of, and you will know the difference between the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. He goes on to say in John 12, verse 47, he says, And if anyone hears my words and does not believe... This is one thing I love about the Greek language. This word right here for believe, it can mean both believe and keep and obey. You want to know why? Faith and obedience are always tied together. <laughs> so I really, like the, I really like the better interpretation, in my opinion, is if anyone hears my words and does not keep, follow, obey. This is where the issue of obedience comes in. Because, friends, it's not just looking at the face of Jesus in some sort of abstract way. Don't claim to see the face of Jesus and not keep the words of Jesus. Because, you know what that is? That's a painted lamp. You have a painted lamp of Jesus that when the lights really go down, it doesn't give any light whatsoever. He continues, If anyone hears my words and does not believe them or keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world But to save the world, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. Friends, reception is not just knowing all the red letters of the Bible, so we quote them. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by his justification alone, to his glory alone. And we say, now I'm set free. In fact, next week... The reason I want to put this here is next week we're going to talk about the freedom of obedience from Leviticus 18. So, so what do we do in response to this? Maybe we're, we're in a season of life right now where we're just, we're just wallowing in the darkness. We, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I constantly putting the light of the world before me? And listen, some of you are. Some of you are reading the Bible every single day. But you're not really reading it. You know what I mean by that? You're not, you're not doing it with a, with a heart that's open to receive it. You're not digging down deep into it. And I get, I've been in those seasons. I'm, I, you've been in those seasons in life where you're just like, I'm doing that. I'm reading the Bible. But you know that your attitude towards the Scripture is not that it's light, but that it's just duty. Friends, our understanding and doctrine of this is the light of God's countenance upon us is pivotal for our fight in the midst of darkness. So if you 're in the midst of darkness right now, let me encourage you bring the light of the word in front of you, seek the lord it it's remarkable how and I think in particular particular I was having this conversation with a brother this morning we we talk about this as a place of rest right and some of us take that too literally to, to mean physical rest and i and we, we take it we, we physically rest in the midst of the by that i mean sleep um that's There is a rest, and I'm glad you're comfortable here. Um, But but what we mean by a place of rest is this is where you find your spiritual hope. And what's remarkable to me is the amount of people who, when they walk in the midst of darkness, feel the need to detach from the local church. I'll never be able to explain that unless I could say they simply misunderstand the light of the Word. (laughs) ...as it's proclaimed and explained. And I want to show grace to that, but, but all I have to give you... ...is not the comfort of man's wisdom, as Brother Richard read in our time of confession. All I have to give you is the light of his word. And if you're walking in the midst of darkness, friends, that's what you need. And so let's be faithful, even if we're in the midst of darkness right now... ...to continue to bear in front of us the light of the word of God... ...as it shows us the face of God, the countenance of God. And then be faithful to follow through... And obey it. Oh, how we need the Lord's help in that endeavor. Amen? But he is faithful and just to give it. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? Father, Lord Jesus Christ, our prayer is that you would simply give us a heart to pursue you. That you would allow us the joy of stop making excuses. Father, I pray that we want to be a scandalously radical church in love and obedience to Jesus Christ. Because he is worth it. He is our all in all for those who have him at all. Lord, please give us grace to love you. Lord, would you fill our countenance, our heart, our bodies with the grandeur of who you are and your word. Lord, would you simply renew our passion to read the Scriptures for ourselves? Would you show us our great need for that light and guidance? Would you show us Christ? Give us that heart and desire to pursue after you. Lord, I pray for those who are hearing these words. If they're still sitting in darkness, maybe it's, it's the darkness of the physical world and the eyes who have taken in perversion, covetousness, greed, violence. Maybe it's the spiritual eyes who are constantly tempted to put their hope in those things. Father, I pray that in this moment the gospel of the free grace of Jesus would have light dawn upon them for those who don't know Christ and for those who do know Christ, that you would bring converting, sanctifying, renewing power to all of our hearts, and you would show us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. as we come to the conclusion of our service. And the time of invitation in particular, I think it's, uh, hopefully it's very clear, this is primarily those who are walking with the Lord and, and are struggling in the midst of darkness. And I know so many who are, and some of you, listen, let me encourage you, some of you are seeking the light of Christ in the midst of your darkness, and you're such an encouragement to those who are around you who are also struggling, that continue on, press in to seeking the light of Christ in the midst of darkness. Some of you, you know where your struggles lie, not only with the physical eyes, but the spiritual eyes, and and simply, this is not an opportunity to shame you or try to make you feel embarrassed. We are the family of God, and we come to encourage and love one another well in this time, knowing that if not by the grace of God, so would I. And so, uh, you will find many people who are probably struggling in the very same area that you are. And that's what's beautiful thing about family is our ability to share with those who are walking with us, and to know we're not alone in the midst of our struggle. And so, if you're here this morning, and you are you are feeling like you are in the midst of darkness and you are just surrounded by darkness and you know that you are not seeking the light of the word, Uh, then please come forward. Share some uh, confession time with your brothers and sisters. Uh, Who knows what that will open up in their life to be able to provide you with accountability and love and comfort and prayers. All those things that are necessary for you to continue to fight on and press on for the glory of God. Maybe you're here this morning though and there's there's been no light in your life whatsoever and you know that to be true. Maybe you're here this morning and you've only known darkness. The darkness of self, the darkness of selfish desires, the darkness of the world around us. And you've never beheld the glory of, of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Friends, if that's you today, then I want to encourage you to come forward. Hear the gospel message that there is a God who loves you, who created you in His image for the purpose of you bringing honor and glory to Him. But because of sin, because of our father Adam and us inheriting and and also choosing to rebel against him constantly. We are born his enemies, rebelling against his good and righteous desire. uh, Rebelling against the created purpose we have to live for his glory. And that sin actually brings forth a punishment, a well-deserved punishment of, of death, not only experiencing physical death, but a spiritual death, an inability to commune or walk with the God that we were created to fellowship with and enjoy. So of course there's going to be a hole in your life. There's going to be an emptiness in your life because you are not living out your purpose of communing and fellowshipping with a God that you were created to enjoy. And friends, that's because of sin. But the good news of the gospel is this God has sent forth His Son, fully God and fully man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a perfect Life, to live a life that you and I should live but could not live. Jesus lived, and because He lived, He did not discern or earn a punishment for His sin, but still willingly took upon the full wrath of His Father uh, to bear that sin for you, so that you could take part in His righteousness, could be covered in His righteousness as He took upon Himself your sin. And so, friends, if that's what you desire today, if you desire today to be seen in the eyes of your Creator, as righteous, there's only one way, and it is to come, over, uh, come under the blood of Jesus Christ, our perfect sacrifice. And you do that by repenting of your sins, declaring, I no longer want to be king of my own life. I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be my king. And then you trust in his finished work on the cross uh, for the rest of your salvation, for all of your salvation, to know it is the only thing that brings you into communion with the God that created you. So friends, if you haven't this morning, beheld the face of the glory of God and In the face of Jesus Christ. That that gospel opportunity is there for your taking. You can come forward today after our service at any point in time to your neighbor and say, I I simply, I want the light. I want to be in the light. I want to see the light. I'm tired of the darkness. I want the light. And that light is available um, as you come under the lordship of our King Jesus. And So if that's you this morning... We want to receive you. Um, we'll, as soon as we uh, conclude our service, we'll have my brother Danny down front, myself be down front, grab anybody around you and just tell them, that's me, I need to know the light of Jesus Christ today. Church family, I do encourage you as well to stay for the business meeting, but, but give respect for the time of the invitation, right? we make sure that we're doing business with the Lord in here. If there's anybody who needs Christ, that they have opportunity to receive it. It's been a joy to gather with you as it always is together today. I love you, church family, and thank you for allowing me to preach God's word to you. Brother Bob, my dear brother, I'm not gonna forget about you this time, but you know, it says your closing prayer here this morning. Did you know that? All right, good. All right, so I'm gonna ask you to pray, and then I'm gonna close this with our benediction, and we'll be dismissed. Brother Bob, would you pray for us?